Hey, Nonprofit Lowdown fans. Great news. I've just opened up my fundraising accelerator for the main June session. This accelerator is aimed at executive directors or senior level development directors of budgets under 2 million who want to establish a major donor giving program and need support and guidance to get started. I think major donors are the way to go in 2021, so learn strategies and tactics to take your fundraising to the next level. This program is a combination of great content, intensive coaching, and peer learning. And we also have a ton of fun. I'm capping the cohort at 30 people on a rolling basis, so apply today at riawong.com. Welcome to Nonprofit Lowdown. I'm your host, Ria Wong. Hey, podcast listeners, it's Ria with you once again with Nonprofit Lowdown. Today, we're having a little bit of a different conversation. We're speaking with Marianne Remsberg, who is an ACC certified life coach with the ICF and co-founder of Adventurous Life Coaching in Oregon City, Oregon. So on the other side of the country, Oregon doesn't seem like a bad place to be right now in New York City. We're covered in snow. Big snowstorm ourselves, too. Well, okay, so snow is everywhere. Marianne and I are going to talk a little bit today about what it means to live an adventurous life. And I know, Marianne, when you and I talked, initially it was in the midst of the height of the pandemic lockdown. We're still here. So I think a lot of us are dreaming about an adventurous life. But before we jump into that, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your company? Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you for having me, by the way. This is fun to connect across the states here. So the adventurous life, my husband and I co-founded this company. And the reason we named it Adventurous Life is we believe in that concept of having an adventurous mindset in every area of life. It's not just for the zip lining or the traveling or getting out there, but we help our clients to embrace that mindset and that concept in all that they do. And that really grew in me after living internationally for 18 years. I was an educator, a school counselor in Kenya and Saudi Arabia and South Korea. And as I put myself into all kinds of cultural new experiences, just being out there, trying new things, making a lot of blunders, I realized the growth that comes when you do that. And so that is really the concept is we want to grow. So we're willing to put ourselves into a zone of challenge and we encourage other people to do the same as well. So let's talk about that for a second, because I think a lot of people feel like they can't travel or whatever because they have Mm -hmm. kids. You have kids. Tell me about living internationally with four kids. Is that right? That's right. I have four children. My oldest was born while we were living in Kenya. My second was born while we were living in Saudi Arabia. My third and fourth are actually adopted from Ethiopia while we were living in Saudi Arabia. That was quite a process. And yeah, we just did it. We decided when we had our first one that we didn't want to stop trying new things, putting ourselves out there, going to places. And it did just become part of our lifestyle. Our kids don't even know now that they're older, but when they were younger, they didn't realize that everyone didn't have a passport full of countries stamped in them. They didn't know that it wasn't normal for your five best friends to be from five different countries. They just grew up that way. That's what they knew. So where did this zest for adventure come from? Was this something that you always had in you or was that something that you started exploring as you got older? Tell me more about that. My husband and I grew up pretty normal, if you'd say, I'm putting quotes on that, normal lives in the United States. I hadn't left the United States except barely into Mexico and then just into Canada in college. 
But this this idea to see the world and to really meet new people was an idea, kind of an adventurous idea. And so we did move to Nairobi, Kenya. I was 23 years old and I thought it would be a short time being a couple of years and that would be the adventure. They would come back to the States and kind of go back to normal. And what we really learned living over there was that we didn't want this mindset to only be for a really short period of our time in life. We wanted it to be a mindset we used throughout our whole life, a mindset that we used in all areas of life. So we did come back to the States after Kenya for one year. And during that year, it really became solidified in us that no matter what you're doing, it really doesn't have to be overseas or even doing something super crazy or out there. Just whatever is that next challenge, whatever is that next goal, whatever is that next dream you have, going towards it. And so really the time overseas grew that in us more and more and more. And now living back in the United States and a dream was to have a coaching company and to be doing exactly what we're doing. So then it looked completely different. Stepping out into adventure looked like being entrepreneurs, starting a business, doing all these different things. I love physical feats in there. So I love triathlons and big hikes and all kinds of things like that. So there's a lot of of areas of life that we've been able to step out and it has just grown and grown and grown. I never would have guessed when I was 22 years old, graduating from college, where I would be, what I would be doing now. So it was a slow growth as an adventurer in everyday life. That's a really good question because I think so many of us define adventure as travel and obviously being locked in, we're not able to go anywhere. So Mm -hmm. how do you suggest that people think about adventurousness in their lives when it doesn't look like overseas travel? I think the best way I'll explain it is we have a book out. It's Your Adventurous Life Awaits. And we give seven coordinates for having this mindset of adventure and living life with the process of adventure. So coordinate number two is explore possibilities. And we talk about different ways that you can look for new possibilities. One of those is just taking a step off your normal path. Now, it's not that big thing. It's just five minutes, maybe. It's stopping at that lookout that you drive by every day on your commute home. And it's taking that moment to just take those big, deep breaths and take in the beauty and adventure of that moment. It's those little things. It's stopping and taking a cup of coffee to the homeless man you see right down by your office and having a five-minute conversation with him and ask him about his life and who he is. Those are mini adventures. I love that term, just to have a mini adventure in the middle of life. Those things really help us to challenge ourselves and grow. And then the more you do that, the more you're ready to try bigger things. Even in the midst of being in a pandemic, we can do things that push us, that try new things, that get outside of just our normal. It doesn't have to be the big things. So you mentioned the seven coordinates. Can you walk us through the other six coordinates? I would love to. So our first coordinate is know your zone. And in the book, we talk about, we have our zone of comfort and that's where we can get really stuck. We have to live in our zone of comfort at times, a lot of the time actually, but it's when people get stuck there and they can't get out of that. And right now, a lot of people might not see a lot of possibilities for that, but we want to go into our zone of challenge. So pushing ourselves into our zone of challenge and that's where we grow. Then we have our zone of that's crazy. And that's, we mean like, oh, that's when you have that thing inside you and you're like, man, I would love to do that. But oh, that's just kind of crazy to even think about. Okay. That's that dream that someday as your zones grow, it might be time for that, but it's not yet. If it's still in here, that's crazy. So 
Coordinate number one, know your zone. I mentioned coordinate number two is explore possibilities. Coordinate three, then you commit to the journey. Once you've explored things, you say, okay, I'm doing this. You got to know your why. You have to have that strong and know why you're committing. Coordinate number four is prepare for the unexpected. Once you commit to a journey, unexpected things are going to come up. And we prepare, of course, logistics. If I'm going on a hike, I take my Band-Aids and I take my ointment and all these extra things. But I also have to prepare my mindset for the unexpected. Coordinate number five, one of my very favorites, is embrace the awkward. When you try something new and you don't know everything about how it's going to work, you're not in control, awkward moments come up. Some of our listeners might notice that. Try new things on technology, right? We're all doing all these meetings. And I know for me, I lead meetings. I have to do all breakout rooms. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. That's awkward. I'm sitting there trying to put people in rooms. and But that's okay. I have grown so much in technology during this time because I was okay with, okay, I'm learning here. I'm figuring this out. It's a little awkward, but I will figure it out. Coordinate number six is persevere to your purpose. Every adventure, they have moments of kind of glory, but they have a lot of perseverance. That person who summits Everest, they had to walk a really long time, one step in front of the other before they got to be at that glory moment. And then coordinate number seven is reflect to grow. We don't just grow from the experience, we grow from reflecting on the experiences. So that's the seven in a fairly quick nutshell. That's great. I'd love to talk about purpose because we have lots of folks living and working in the nonprofit sector and we're really driven by a sense of purpose. And I guess I'm just curious as to how we can both identify our purpose and then what to do, like, can our purpose change over time? Mm -hmm. I love that in the nonprofit sector, that is really, people know their why. At least I believe most people probably know their why. And like you said, I think sometimes it can change. I think sometimes that why can get lost. You you start out with that really passionate, I'm going to do this. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to change people. And sometimes it can get lost in the busyness of running a nonprofit and all the details and that. And so... The why I think is so, so important and coming back to that why again and again and revisiting what you're doing. I know for me, I keep a file of just encouragement, support, great reviews, things like that because sometimes we forget why we started this in the first place. We wanted to help people. We wanted to make an impact. And so, yes, I do believe our why can change. And I think that's important to examine. Okay, is my why still the same or have things changed? What am I passionate about now? And to your first question, I think that passion. So if you are doing something because of the shoulds, I have been working on my own life on the shoulds and feeling less should in my life. I'm stopping shooting on myself as much. and But we do that a lot, the obligation. And when we realize I'm just doing this because I should, I need to, we really want to watch our language. Think about the language we're using when we're using low commitment language of the shoulds I need, I have to. What are you passionate about? What do you say? Oh, I can't wait to. I'm so excited to. I promise this is going to happen. That's where we're fed. And that's what we want to watch for. Because more of that, that's going to keep us passionate in what we're doing. And when we're having to do too many of the shoulds and the obligation, it's when we get burnout. Okay, well, let's talk about that because I think I hear you and I think that's right. Mm -hmm. But I do think, especially as an executive director, you do have a lot of pressure on you and and there are a lot of shoulds, right? So 
it, just this past week, there was an article in the New York Times about how working mothers in this pandemic are really oh, yes. like a silent scream happening. So between if you're an ED, you're taking care of your staff, you're taking care of your board, you're making sure your funders are happy, and more importantly, you're taking care of your clients. And then you're on full-time duty at home, homeschooling. And so it feels like there's a lot of should and not a lot of time for adventures. So can you speak a little bit about what do you do in that case? Well, I can definitely relate to that. As you said, I have four children. I'm running a business and it is a tough time. I do think I'll go to coordinate number seven. The reflection is really important. Two parts to that I want to say. First of all, gratitude and celebration actually helps our perseverance to keep growing. Taking that time to reflect on what we have done well. I think sometimes, and like you mentioned specifically, the women who have so much on them and so many shoulds, we think it has to all be done perfectly. Right? We think those things I know that for myself, I look at maybe what I didn't get done or I couldn't finish as much as I would like to. We are human and being grateful for what we do have, the positives, looking at those things, that's actually proven to build resilience in us. So I would say, take time. If you're not taking time for gratitude, for being grateful, look at the things that are good about the situation that actually feeds us. And also to celebrate. Celebration keeps us going too. And celebrate what you have done. Celebrate the good things. The second thing I did want to talk about is self-care though. It's so important to take that time for those little adventures. And I know for myself and clients, I actually encourage them to really almost experiment what actually feeds them, what self-care activities actually make them feel more energized and like that time was worth it. Because sometimes people will spend time on things that aren't helping this process. They're actually going against it. Or maybe they feel vegging on social media or vegging out with movies. Maybe that does feed someone, but it can also work against us. What is it that really is the best self-care for you? So try some things out. Is it getting out in nature? Is it taking that nap? Is it taking that bath? What things? Because when your time is so, so limited for self-care, you want to make sure it's something that's really valuable and actually feeding you and filling you up. So one thing that's coming up for me is this concept of a midlife crisis. I'm of the age now where like, I guess it's around midlife crisis time. You do um, not look of the age of midlife crisis I, at all. Uh, thank you. I'm in my 40s around midlife okay. crisis time. And I'm just curious, do you think the so-called midlife crisis, the cliche is the middle-aged guy going out and buying a Ferrari and dating a 20-year-old is connected to our feeling like we have lost a connection with this adventurousness that we experience in our younger days? I definitely can see that connection there and think that can be. If you feel like you've lost yourself, I hear people say a lot, well, when I was young, I wanted to do these things. And I always had this dream. I was going to do this. If you're keeping dreams alive, if you're keeping those things, now, maybe not the same thing that you were dreaming when you're 18, but if you are still dreaming, forward thinking, you have plans, you're not as feeling stuck. And that is really what happens when people in midlife crisis, they're feeling stuck. They're feeling stuck in that, maybe it is that zone of comfort. They want to get out there and maybe it doesn't come out in the healthiest way. But if you can get yourself that adventure you're hoping for in that positive way, that's what we want to do. You want to keep moving forward, keep looking for things that really do fill that desire to still feel young, to still 
feel active, to still feel doing whatever it is for you. Write that book, start that podcast, do those things that keep you passionate. And I think for women too, maybe some men as well, it can become, you lose that identity of who you are. You get so tied up in your work or you get so tied up in being mom or dad or spouse or whatever that you kind of forget what do I actually want? What does feed me? And one thing for me, we had done lots of hiking. This is a small example, but we've done lots of hiking as a family, but I really wanted to do, we have a trail over here on the West Coast called the Pacific Crest Trail. It goes all the way from Mexico to Canada, about a six month journey. There's no way I'm doing that with four kids, but I have wanted to do segments of it and get all of Oregon done. And so last summer I was like, what? The whole family's not into it right now, but I am. And I want to do it for me. I want to get out in nature. I want to have some time just to be and to pray and to think and just get away from work and have some calm. And so I invited all the kids. Anybody want to come? And my 16-year-old daughter at the time, I'm coming with you. So my 16-year-old and I, we headed out for four days backpacking out on this trail. And we did it three times during the summer because it was so great. And I think for me, oh, that fed me last summer. I was just, couldn't go a lot of other places, but I could hike a trail because it was right out in the middle of nowhere. And I got the time with my daughter. I mean, we just talked for days and days. And so I think for me, I would have just felt so kind of trapped and I was looking for more, especially during the pandemic last summer, but just saying, okay, what do I want? I want to get out in nature. I want to be out there and relax and, and doing that. So each person saying, what do I really want? What do I need? Keeping that adventurous mindset going, I think is important so you don't feel stuck. Okay, let's go back to this, Marianne, because I think you would hit up on a really interesting point about women in particular, because I think women were socialized to give, 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 right? And we often don't think about what it is we need to fill our cup. And actually, like I, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I was like, well, what do you want? What brings you joy? And she was like, I honestly don't know. And yeah. so I'm wondering- That's not uncommon. Okay, so yeah. how would you help someone in that situation? That is, I would say, sadly, not as uncommon as you would think that people forget what actually they find fun. They're so stuck in the what I have to do, what I need to do to be responsible, to be helpful, to be supportive, all those things. So what would I do? Coaches, I'm all about action steps. And so when I'm working with someone, they come up with them, but it is thinking of, okay, what's one action step? Maybe it is going back to, what did I used to do when I had more time and what brought me joy? Okay, start there. I used to get a lot more time. This is the personal one. I used to get a lot more time with a cup of coffee and a book. Okay, I can't spend the same amount of time I did, but I can carve out 30 minutes or 20 minutes. So for myself, I've been doing a, a bit more of a serious miracle morning. I've always had a morning, but if you're familiar with that book, it starts three hours before. It starts five o'clock in the morning because that time is so important for me. That gives me time to do what's important to me, which is exercise and, and reading and praying and all those things. But I know that that brings me joy. That changes my entire outlook on my day, my entire effectiveness on my day when I have that. That doesn't work for everybody, but it is that action step of trying some different things. What brings you joy? Talk to people, ask them ideas. And then I think probably one of the biggest things is taking guilt off, taking the idea like, oh, I shouldn't really take this time for myself or I shouldn't really go on that you know, weekend away with the girls. Yes, you actually should. You need that. 
that's going to keep you. You're better when you're taken care of and when you're finding those things that bring you joy. I'm sure you've heard, Rhea, the, the analogy of the airplane mask, but I love this one. I flew a lot with kids and they, my kids would ask, why would you put your mask on first? They always tell you, put your mask on first and then help other people. They're like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you help me first? I'm like, I'm no good to you if I'm passed out on the seat. I got to put it on first. And so I think, especially as women, we just have to remember that and then not feel guilty about it. Realize we are putting on our masks so we can keep being what we need to be for everyone we want to support. I always giggle with that analogy because I agree with you. But I, back in my 20s, I dated this guy who was like, I were married to somebody who put her mask on before she put it on the kids. That's a problem. I would divorce her. And I was like, I think this relationship is over. Like, I don't think we have anything. Like ending point, huh? Well, there were a lot of indicators of that. I was like, mm, okay, was I got it. Let's talk about the four little F word, fear. I think we keep ourselves in our zone of comfort because we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of being humiliated. We're afraid that if we do this thing, we'll stumble and fall. So I'm wondering, talk to me about how we might reframe our mindset and our beliefs around feeling the fear and doing it anyway. I think fear holds us back so much. We think of middle schoolers not doing things because they're scared of what people around them will think. But I think adults do it just as much. I think we look, we look around or people look around and say, oh, that's a little bit different than people are doing it. Even in business, oh, that's not how people usually do it. And so we do get held back, our own wanting to, to do it well. That's a good thing. But when it goes too far and it stops us, it's not such a good thing anymore. We have a podcast and we were interviewing, actually, she's in your neck of the woods, not far from you in Brooklyn. And we were interviewing uh, Tina Campbell. And she said that once she learned that, fear, not that phrase you said, feel the fear and do it anyway. She said the growth that she had when she would do something that scared her and overcome that, how confident she felt and how she just fed the next one. Now she says, I just run to fear. I see something that scares me. I'm like, that's for me. And I run to it. And I love that visual because it is, I think that idea, I get scared too. I have had some really fearful times in my life and we lived in Saudi Arabia for the most part, it was completely safe place to live. But there was a scary time when a compound was taken over near ours and gunmen came in and there was that fear. And in that moment, I think it's those moments of fear, whether they're small or they're little, that you have to remember, okay, why am I doing what I'm doing? What is this really for? And in that moment, I was pretty sure we were gonna leave Saudi and prayer had a lot to do with it for me, but that gave me the, okay, no, we're here for these reasons. And I listed them off, we talked about them and that really gave me the, okay, this is worth it. It's worth pushing past this fear. It's worth not letting this fear control me. I don't want fear to ever control me in my life. I don't want to look back and go, I didn't do that or I didn't do that or I didn't do that because of fear. So the idea of falling, if you fail, you try something that's scary. And this is where embrace the awkward comes in, coordinate five. Have that mindset of, okay, I failed, but I will keep moving forward. It's okay. And I think having some humor at yourself, being able to say, that wasn't perfect. Okay, that one got me. But yeah, seeing the benefits. And so it's just a daily battle, I think, at times over fear. I don't think it's a one-time thing. I don't think you say, okay, I'm going to try this new thing. I think it comes at us at weird times. You're doing your webinar and things have been great. And then one day it hits you like, oh, 
I hope this is helpful. I hope this is what people want to hear. I hope this is going to go. And those thoughts just come through. One term that, that I talk about in the book is rerouting our mindset. And so the opposite would be dead end thinking. Think of yourself driving in your car. You get to a dead end. You're like, I don't know what to do. Well, sometimes in our mindset, we do that and we just stay there. We say, oh, dead end, I'm scared, or it's too much, or I can't handle this, and we just stop right there. Well, in your car, think of that. You don't just drive into like a dead end area, roads blocked, and go, oh, I guess I'll just sit here forever. Okay, no, you turn around, you find another route, you keep moving to your destination. And that's what fear can do. Fear just dead ends a lot of people where we need to have the mindset, okay, I gotta reroute. I can get around this. I can find, maybe it's a different way, maybe it's, just figuring out the path that can get around this fear. I'm wondering, Marianne, if you've ever had a situation where an adventurousome spirit backfired. And specifically, I'm thinking about a friend of mine who getting out of her comfort zone is really tough because she really likes that comfort zone. Her dream is to start her own business. What happens if the goal is so big? And look, we know that it's not going to be roses along the way, but at what point are you able to help someone continue to move forward? Because I think sometimes if the obstacle is big enough, then it's easy for the person to be like, see, see, I knew that this was dangerous. So now I'm going to go back to my comfort zone. I think that's where knowing the zones really comes in is important because we actually talk about in that zone of crazy, maybe your friend, it's too big. Then it's not the right time to try that because it will shut you down. So if you feel yourself, you're, you have this big dream and sometimes idea people and visionaries and dreamers, they do get these massive dreams. But if the fear is literally paralyzing instead of motivating, if the fear is blocking ideas. I mean, sometimes people fear literally shuts off, right? You kind of get that fuzzy in your head feel. If that's happening rather than the ideas that are moving you forward, it probably is in your zone of that's crazy and should stay there a little bit longer until you've grown maybe some other things that are ready to get there. Because it is true. If there is failure and people don't learn to reroute it and see, okay, that was just a step on my progress, then they can point at it and say, oh, I should never do that again because obviously we know that didn't go well. That one just proves I can't do things like that. So there is that mindset and that's really that dead end thinking that I'm talking about. So if you do have a failure, it is that idea. See it as part of the process. One for us, and this really did turn into part of the process, the year that we moved back, we had been teaching in an international school in Nairobi, Kenya. We did come back and we came back because we thought we should. We thought, okay, our adventure's over. We have a baby now. We should be home near family. We should live the normal life. And we came home and we were apartment managers. And I remember we were cleaning out this really disgusting apartment one day. And just like, okay, this isn't what for our lives, what the adventure needs to look like. But even in that moment, I could have had a more adventurous mindset. Looking back at it, I was like, oh, that was part of the growth and that was part of all that. But it really could have been that shutting down. I could have been more open, I guess, even in that to say, okay, this is kind of an adventure. This is something, what are we learning from this? What are we growing from this? Even those hard times 
when we use the term adventure, it's just life circumstances. Sometimes we choose them, right? We choose to go on that fun trip. We choose to take that hike. We choose to start the business. We choose to write the book, whatever it is. But sometimes adventures are chosen for us. And what I mean by that, we don't usually use the term adventure, is when those really hard things happen. That sickness comes or that death comes or a pandemic comes. And now we don't go like, oh, what a great adventure. But what I do mean by that is that we can still approach it with an adventurous mindset and say, okay, this is out of my comfort zone. This is new territory for me. How am I going to approach this as an adventure? How am I going to learn from this? How am I going to do something new here? How am I still going to reach out to others? How am I going to grow and be a different person at the end of this time? Okay, so last question. It's interesting to me because when I think about adventure, I often think of it as a solo journey, right? I think about Sheryl Strait and Wild and hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, or I think Elizabeth Gilbert, eat, pray, loving her way across the world, whatever it may be. You did this with your husband, and I'm curious about how do you share an adventurous vision? And what do you do if you happen to be more adventurous than your partner? That's a great question because everyone is not always on the same page and we have not always been on the same page on everything about how to step out, how to try new things, although we are a lot of the times. But I think it is important to find community as you're living an adventure. And if it's not with your best friend or it's not with your partner or it's not with your spouse, find someone that will share that and find that support around you. And I wanted to give an example. If you're familiar at all with, there's a TV show called Eco Challenge Fiji. And it's this adventure race. And they race for 10 days straight. They only take 90 minutes rest. I mean, they're just going, going, paddling, hiking, rappelling. It is really just an adventure race to the extreme. So we had the opportunity to interview Team Bend from Bend, Oregon, who was on the show and did really well. And they talked about they have these adventure races and it's in a team of four. And they were talking about how important it is that they are a team together, a team of four. They said that they do even shorter ones, three days long, and people do not finish them if they're alone. Your mindset at some point in an adventure race is going to dip so low that if you're alone, you'll probably quit. But if you have a team around you, then if one person on the team's low, the other three rally for them. Or if a couple are having a hard time or the other two, they're there strong for them. And just the power of community, hearing that from them as adventure racers. And they are tough. I mean, they are tough, tough people. They could do so much on their own. But they understand the value that together they can really do so much more. And it just really spoke to me as we are living this adventurous life. Don't try to do it alone. Find people that are your people, that are your community. And if it's not someone that's in your home, then tell them how important it is that you find this community and why it's important for you. And then find those people to support you and you can support them. That's very helpful. Wrapping up, Marianne, what lasting parting words do you want to leave our audience with as they think about how to build more adventure into their pandemic lives? I would say lasting words, start small. Take some steps. If you haven't been doing anything, push yourself to do that one thing. That thing that's been spinning around your head. Maybe try out that new coffee shop. I really want to go across the street and leave some food for the neighbor there. Start small. One little thing. And I believe you'll find that it will grow. If you're already an adventurer, keep pushing yourself. Life's adventure is when we journey into our zone of challenge. And that's really where the growth occurs. And so I just encourage you to keep journeying. Don't sit back. Don't get stuck. Keep journeying and push yourself with baby steps. 
Great. Thank you, Marianne. Where can people find you on the internet? Thank you. My website is adventurouslife.net. You can find everything there from our book to podcast link to more information about coaching and even international trips that we lead hopefully soon. We have one planned December 2021 to Costa Rica. We're hoping for that. If you want to get a free plus shipping copy of our book, you can do that at our website. There's a special website for that, youradventurouslifeawaits.com, and you can get a free plus shipping book there. Awesome. So we'll make sure to put those links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Marianne. And everyone have an adventurous week. (laughs) Take care.